Welcome, my friends. Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford, and it's time for a special edition of Trucking Technology and Efficiency. I've got John and Joel with me. We're not taking calls today, so sit back and relax. Don't worry about your phone. We're just going to hang out, uh, the three of us here, and talk about whatever happens to cross our mind at the time. We haven't put a lot of forethought into this, so we'll see what happens. Uh, Joel, looks like you're first up on the board today. Welcome back. Hey, it's great to be back, Kevin. Great to have you here. And John, I see you're there as well on a... uh, an international connection. It's showing me that you're uh, in Milan. Oh, really? Yeah. Cool. Or where I also see Lombardia. It says Milan, Lombardia, Italy. Hmm. I'm actually in Bologna, which isn't that far away. Yeah. So what happens is usually we get the address from whatever server you connected to somewhere. Copy. Yeah, that's usually how that happens. So. Um, let's get started with you since you're in, uh, in Italy doing all kinds of fun stuff. Tell us about what's been going on. Uh, I'm here for what's called the Ferrari challenge world finals. So, uh, Ferrari builds race cars and they have a series for race cars that their customers drive. And it's a really, really well run, well run series. And at the end of the year, they have the Finale Mondiale, which is the World Finals. And uh, I, I'm here for that. We've got four cars here. Uh, three of them I'm responsible for engineering. Been here testing and running all week. Uh, tomorrow, we qualify and race. Saturday, we qualify and race. And then Sunday, hopefully, we've uh, earned our way into the World Final and we get to race again. So we've got you know, cars here from the Middle East from Asia, all over Europe, South America, and North America. That's uh, pretty so exciting. It's, pretty cool. so, it's quite an experience. So, yeah, it really is. So, like, uh, or, or I, I would assume everybody that there is, how are your feelings as far as, like, doing really well over there? Um, I don't want to brag. Uh, our car was quickest in all of testing, and then again, uh, in official practice, and uh, we were a little bit off today with an attempt of a leader today, but uh, we did not use new tires in the session, and we uh, were uh, so so we're, we're there. I mean, I, I possibly could win the whole thing. Oh, wow. and that's our car that's in the premier class. So wow. yeah, yeah. Well, that's really exciting. Though. So, so we're, we're we're at the sharp end. Yeah, yeah. it's it's really neat. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, this, this has gone really well this year. I mean, this season, I don't know what it is. You know, like like I told you the. 30-year overnight success thing, but everything we've touched this year has gone right to the front. Fantastic. I, you know, I don't know why or how or what's going on, but it's uh, it's been really good. I, I'm I'm pretty so sure. Really, really good. I, I'm pretty sure it's the whole keto carnivore thing. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you, that doesn't hurt. I did have. Uh, so uh, that said, uh, if anyone saw my Facebook this evening, I ate pizza. <laughs> well, yeah, but, uh, I, I could not. Of course, so did. so my yeah. my family's always done this uh, traditional traditional Italian pizza. At least I thought it was, right. and, and I come here and confirm that it actually is. Oh, good. But we would have this pizza. My mom would make it. Was just a very thin crust, a little bit of oil, some salt, pepper, uh, basil, oregano, and strips of anchovies on it, oh, and that's it. Oh, Nothing else. That sounds so good. So, so little little restaurant right next to the hotel. I start leaping through their menu, and there's a picture of something really similar. It did have a little bit of sauce on it, and it had some capers on it too. I mean, just a smear of sauce, not much. Right. And again, super thin, cooked really hot. Um, yeah, I ate one of those, and it was amazing. You know what dish <laughs> dish I used to make, and I haven't made it because I had get gotten rid of pasta out of my diet for so long. I've got pasta back now because there's so many good grain-free pastas on the market now. Um, I need to go back and make this. I used to take in and heat up olive oil in the pan, a, a lot of olive oil on fairly low heat, and I'd put anchovies in there, and they would just melt right into the oil. I mean, it's almost like they disappear. They melt right into the oil. Then I'd let that just sit there for a little while and turn the heat off 
throw in a handful of garlic and fresh basil, and then just pour that over pasta. Oh, man. That was so good. And then a little bit of really good Parmesan on top of it to finish it off. And, oh, that was so good. So, there's, a, there's a northern Italian dish called bagnacata that's basically what you just described, but it's actually carb-free. It'd be a great keto or, or carnivore. Well, not quite carnivore. You use cabbage to eat it. So you make a olive oil and anchovies, just whip it all up and turn it into a, 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 a it's oily. It's, it's oil and anchovies basically is all it is. And you cut cabbage leaves and have some of the core at the bottom and you scoop it. You scoop it up and eat it. And it's, you know, you serve it that way. There's a big bowl of the anchovies and oil and then you've got yeah. the, the, the cabbage leaves that you pick it up with and just eat it. And uh, you just made me think of that with what you said there. But yeah. uh, it's good. <laughs> anchovies are wonderful. I love them. I know. Me too. Me too. I like all kinds of smelly little fish. <laughs> so here they are bigger and milder. They're not nearly as salty, and they're much meatier than the ones we get at home. You know, the other thing that, that I had um, somewhere near Monterey, I think. We were on the coast near Monterey and went to a little restaurant right there on the coast. And I had fresh sardines, you know, fresh caught right out of the ocean. They threw the whole fish on the grill, head, tail, everything. And they're pretty darn big. I mean, they, they were probably, yeah. you know, like eight inches. Um but those were just mm. fantastic. And you can just eat the whole thing, right? Right. The, the yeah. bones are soft yeah. enough you to just, just eat, eat it. it. All yeah. The, yeah. yeah, the bones and everything. And they, it, they just, they throw them on the screaming hot grill. You know, like I said, the whole fish, everything. And they just like char the total outside. And then, yeah, you can just eat the whole thing. Well, Neat. listen, I'll have you guys know that I am an exotic Frostproof Florida at a truck stop, and I'm having these delicious roller dogs. You know, <laughs> uh, not a bun. I hope just, you know, just yeah, yeah, no bun. Just sitting here doing truck driver stuff. That's right. You know what's even more funny? I, I'm pretty sure I know exactly where you are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> probably i'm not too yeah. far from your old home base so exactly. yeah so you're on 20 years later you're you're on the way to sebring i go past that i'm on the way to say for sebring all the time right yeah frost proof yeah there, yep that's why kind of in the yeah. middle of the state yep i know where you are too. you're you're not awesome far. you're not far from one of the weirdest little restaurant in places I've ever seen. It's out in that area someplace. I can't remember exactly where I've, I've actually stayed at it twice. Um, the, the cool thing about it, it looks like nothing has changed since the 1960s. I mean, this place was like famous oh, wow. back in the 1960s, and I'll tell you why in a minute. It looks like nothing has changed. I mean, and <laughs> if, you, if you didn't know the history of it and you weren't going there because it was unique... When you walked in, you would just turn around and leave. I mean, the place is, is it really, it's run down. I mean, it, it's, it's, not, it's not just historic. It's just run down now. But it was still a cool experience. But what it was famous for is all during the 1960s and 70s and during, you know, NASA's heyday and the moon program, they had a landing strip there. And most of the astronauts flew around in their own private planes. And this place was famous. Ah, that makes sense. This place was famous for the astronauts would land there with their planes and go in and eat. They even, the astronauts loved their soup so much, they canned it mm -hmm. at, or whatever they had to do to it and <laughs> took it with them. And it's actually now called moon soup. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> wow, that's cool. It's a pretty cool story. It's right down in that area somewhere. It may gotcha. not even be open anymore. Gotcha. I mean, like I said, it with the last time I was there, the place was on its last legs. It was looking pretty rough. <laughs> yeah, I'll have to do a Google search and see if it's if it's close by. If it is, I'll go look it up. Yeah, see if you can find it if it's still around. Moon, <laughs> moon soup. That would probably moon be the soup. Way to that's find all it. I have. The, that's that's, yep, yep. That's what I'll do. That's what I'll do. <laughs> Well, you know what? Oh, that's I, pretty I, awesome. I just typed that in, and a website came up called moonsoup.net. 
Uh, is this the place? Their website looks pretty darn good, actually. <laughs> no, that's that's definitely not it. Okay. All right, I'll work on that later because we only have an hour here, and I know how what it's like when the three of gotcha. us are talking about stuff. <laughs> so I'm at home. John's in Italy. You're hanging out at truck stops. Uh, John, we were talking a little earlier, yep. and you started. You've really been paying attention to the trucks over there, and and lots of details on stuff, and you had some really interesting stuff. Let's talk about that. Uh, I've just really taken notice of the attention to detail and some of the small arrow bits and the fit and finish. Uh, now, I, I mean, I know that we don't run, you know, the, the, the big cab over trucks at home for various reasons. You know, they've fallen out of favor for, you know, every, every reason from, uh, you know, insurance comp claims to not enough room in the cab to whatever. But that doesn't excuse uh, some of the lack of detail that we see on our trucks compared to theirs. The, uh, you know, the, the, some of the fender, you know, the side skirting and the arrow bits and the little arrow details that they have on these things. And the way the stuff is just so solid, you know, you, you ride beside one of these things on the highway and nothing flaps or moves or anything. And, and the, the gap, you know, the, the, it, it, it would be unheard of to have some of the trailer gap that we have. And I know we discussed that last week, but it's across the board. And the way they pay attention to even uh, dump trailers and and tankers, shit that we just don't care about. You know, they 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 do. It's moved way up. It's got some arrow aids on it. It's it's a moonstone left unturned. It's what I do with racing. You know, if there's you know there there's free horsepower out there, we'd call it, or there's uh, you know just, just there's no reason not to to pay attention to those details. And I see it here, and, and I don't know that it's if it's regulation that's brought it on. Uh, the fact that the fuel is used to be so much more expensive. It's now, you know, we're, we're catching up to them. It, it's not a whole lot more expensive here than, than when I was in Europe last in the early two thousands. Uh, you know, it was, it was about six bucks a gallon back then and it's about eight now. So that that's not even close to the, 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 the Delta and yeah, our exactly. fuel prices. Right. So, uh, yeah. So, uh, it's always been tough here and they have to pay attention. And they they appear to still have fun with their trucks. You know, they have style. You know, there's, they, they do crazy shit with lighting and arrow bits. And, you know, the guys seem to be having fun with their stuff, too. Um, but it's interesting. I mean, I, I just really the attention to details, which really got, got my eye. And, and next week, I'll have some time. I'm going to travel from here. I'm spending another week after I'm done. We, we, we finish up here on Sunday. And I'm going to travel down to uh, the town where my mom's family's from that's uh in salerno so i'm going to go from bologna to salerno next week maybe a stop or two in between you know maybe i'll go see the uh leaning tower of pisa or something on my way down i'm not sure but uh you know i'm gonna just bounce my way down there i don't even have a hotel room yet i'm just gonna figure it out as i go uh but uh, i think i'll pull into a truck stop or try to strike up a conversation with some of these guys or maybe get some info you know as to you know what kind of mileage they're getting and there'll be math involved. It's uh, <laughs> yeah. meters per hundred kilometers they use. So <laughs> you know, when, when when you look at fuel mileage over here, it's it's liters per hundred. So it's how many liters it takes to go 100k. But that, that's an easy conversion to do. Yeah. 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 Interesting. But uh, that's the big thing that's caught my attention. You know, I really. Uh, and I'm not sure about the industry here. That's something else I'm going to try to do some research on next week. There are a lot of trucks on the road. I mean, a lot. Uh, Percentage-wise, I would have to say greater than we see at home. Wow! Uh, every morning, uh, we, you know, we head to the uh, track. You know, anytime from uh, five thirty a.m. to seven thirty is probably our latest leave time from the hotel, depending on when our first session is. And we've got about a forty-five minute ride. And at that hour, uh, the road's full of trucks, and you know, it, it's it's almost eighty twenty. I'd say. Wow. And then I noticed that that's, that struck me first when I drove from, uh, I flew into Rome and drove up here and that really struck me on that ride. And it hasn't changed. It has not changed. Uh, Sunday, there were very few trucks on the road. You know, they, they take their Sunday yeah. seriously. I think a lot of guys take Sunday off, 
but uh, yeah, it was there were there were that was the only day it, it wasn't you know eighty twenty to cars on the highway. You so know, there's a lot of freight moving around over here. There is, you know, if I had to guess at, at why it's such an imbalance, because you got to think that you know we are huge consumers in the U.S. I, I can't imagine that there are many people that outconsume us. We're wasteful. We're, you know, we want the latest and greatest of everything. And we bought something two months ago. We want a new one now. I, I would have to say it, it's probably more to do with the fact that they don't commute nearly as much as we do. They don't spend nearly as much time in their cars or put as many miles on their cars. They tend to shop, you know, like you've seen all these little neighborhood shops where you can, you know, walk around with a basket and hit the cheese shop and the bread shop and the wine shop and the butcher and, and, you know, go home with your groceries. Yeah. And so, and, and I, you know, everything's so much smaller and closer. They, I, I doubt that they have a lot of people that commute an hour to work, which is, you know, become fairly common in our country. I, I would have to believe it's the fact that there are less cars on the road, not more trucks. That, that, that could very well be. Uh, regardless, it's it's sort of it's really eye catching though when you, when you're on the on the motorway here. I'll bet it is, yeah. Uh, or the autostrada, as it's called. Yeah. And the you know the public transportation is amazing. Oh, that's another. Um, factor, it, it just right. it, it just uh, you know there's a bullet train stop across from my hotel here. I I could I can be in Rome, which took me four and a half hours to drive uh, in two and a half hours on the bullet train, and it, and and you could do it once every 45 minutes like it's not like you you know you get that one ticket a day like you would on amtrak at home and still not 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 know if you're going to make it there uh so a bunch of the team we had a day off on monday and a bunch of team went over to florence which again would be a you know four hour drive two hours on the train two and a half hours on the train yeah yeah and yeah so that that that's that's pretty cool yeah, um, I, I don't have my plan, but I might just park the car at some point and take take the train to another city just to, just to get a ride on it. <laughs> there you go. So, I, uh, I, you should. You really so, should. From what uh, I've, what I'm I've half heard, thinking of, yeah. Yeah, from what I've heard of the trains in Europe, there, we have nothing anywhere that compares to them. It's it's so damn efficient. Yeah, it's, it's pretty amazing how well it works. It really is. Yeah. And I, I don't know how they could run so often. I really don't. Like, I mean, how do they pull that off? Yeah. Uh, how many of these things are there? And and if you make it over to Germany, they always run on time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and not, no, I'm, I'm <laughs> not gonna, that's optional. Uh, yeah, I'm not going to go down the, the political path here too far, but, you know, compare that with California's bullet train and what a horrible disaster that <laughs> has become. Unbelievable. <laughs> They're only like they're only like twenty seven years behind schedule, and the cost <laughs> has quadrupled. Uh, it, it's it's stupid. You read the numbers, and you're like, "Come on, that's a joke. That can't be right." And uh, no, it's right. And now they say it will probably never get finished. How sad is that? Jesus. And if they're somewhere in the country that it should work. Is there? I mean, California's obviously got the tax base. Right. They've always got the need. You know, if you've ever sat in traffic in Southern California, oh. I mean, a, a bullet train from uh, from San Diego to, to L.A. Or, or L.A. to San Fran or, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. I mean, that makes a ton of sense. Uh, like, uh, it, and it shouldn't be hard. The geography is not that bad. They've got the money to do it. Yeah. You know, well, how could the Europeans just do that? Exactly. You know, we, we could we can bitch and moan at home and say how terrible it is over here and they're socialists and they're whatever. But for some reason, they get shit done. Right. And it works. Right. So, I, yeah, I, I don't know. It's uh, I can't get over how highly functional things seem to be here. <laughs> and again, maybe if I lived here, I'd feel differently. Right. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, even at the track. So so lately, between insurance regs and stuff, um. You know, at home, I, I quite often have to sign three waivers when I go to a racetrack. Uh, the corner workers aren't even allowed to come out and put a fire out on a car. Like corner workers on a racetrack right now, with current regulations with any of our organizing bodies, will literally maybe assist, maybe assist the driver in getting out. They will stand there, even though they have fire extinguishers in their station, and watch a car burn because they're not allowed to put it out. Oh. 
right? Yeah. <laughs> so here, you know, people crash cars here too. And then we've got, we, we have some drivers from Asia. I'll, I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> there were quite a few instances <laughs> on the test day where there were cars and gravel traps and then walls and things. The corner, the, the safety people are like on it. Like it's instant. We're down. They, they do things while there are cars on track. They, they run out there. They've got this really cool flatbed with a crane on it. That's got this, uh, cradle shall i say it's got this big square thing and hangs off the crane with four straps that hang on the big tied to the wheels it doesn't even come close to scratching the car right the car's already crashed they do no more damage to it half the time at home when i have a car towed in they do more damage towing it in than the driver did when he hit the wall <laughs> <laughs> gotta love that yeah, I know. so these yeah. guys they're just they they are just on it in every way shape and form and i have not signed a freaking waiver all week like, I have not had to sign a thing, do a thing, nothing. And they're like, we don't sue here. Like, it, you'll get hurt. It, You're not going to sue us because you can't. <laughs> yeah, and, <laughs> so so there's, no, there's, no, there's no waiver to sign. There's no bull crap like that. None of it. There's none. It's, it's, it's crazy. And instead here, we have to fight to get good Samaritan laws passed so that we don't fear, you know, helping somebody on the side of the road and being sued over it. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. It's the lawyers. I'm convinced it's the oh, lawyers. It's absolutely I, I mean, I, I'm sure that, they have lawyers here as well. But yeah, not the, you know we've been cranking them out in huge numbers for decades, and they're all running around looking for something to do. Yeah, that is a big part of our problem. We need a lot more engineers <laughs> and a lot less attorneys. <laughs> it, it's just, I, I can't get over how quickly things happen here. And it's like, but, but aside from it, the society and the people, they're so laid back and relaxed. There's no, uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's crazy. It really is. And the diet, I mean, it's like, you don't see overweight people everywhere. Right. Kids are not fat. You don't see any chubby kids at all. None, zero. Like yes. they're not, they, they don't exist. And, and it's just so common yeah. here now. Um, I, I, you know, one of the things I noticed the other day, there was a bunch of kids outside here in the neighborhood and, you know, I, I realized that you, I, I never see kids run anymore. Like they're, they're not outside playing. I never see them outside actually playing. <laughs> they're usually just walk into the bus stop or whatever. And I thought, man, I haven't seen kids do things where they run. And what caught my attention was a couple of kids were running for some reason. They, they couldn't. They didn't know how. Like, I, I, I'm looking at them and I'm like, I'm not sure if they're trying to run or if they're having an epileptic seizure. Should I go help them? And I thought, how can a human body oh, not man. know how to run? Oh, man. <laughs> it's, part, it's part of all that he survived. Yeah. I know. <laughs> that is so funny. Yeah. <laughs> It, you know, we, we now call the fight and flight response. Now it's something like fight, flight, freeze, and there's another reaction that our, our nervous system can have. Get eight. Yeah. I always forget what the fourth one is, but, you know, it, it used to be two. Now we've added two new ones, but we need to drop the first two. None of these people could fight or flight. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Yeah, I know. So speaking of the trucks and, and the lights, that was, you know, when I started looking at all these pictures of these European cab overs and, and I just love the looks of some of them. I, I just think they're stunning. Um, and, and these light bars all over the place. And I thought, wait a minute, that's an awful lot of lights. There has to be some function behind those things, but why and where and when are they using these things? So we have a, a couple guys on the on Trucking Tribe that have spent a lot of time trucking in Europe. In fact, one of them, I, I've now made him our official European correspondent because he always answers my questions, Kevin O'Sullivan. <laughs> he did a lot of trucking yeah. over there. So I asked him, I said, what's the deal with these lights? When do they use these things? and Why? And he said, well, he said, you'd be shocked. Most of them are really not uh, for function. They, it, it's just become... A, a style thing, kind of, you know, they, they love dressing their trucks up. He said it really came down from Scandinavia. He said the guys up there. That's are, what I was going to say. They, they yeah. use them up there. 
so much darkness in the They're in the dark time. all the time. Exactly. And, <laughs> yep. and, you know, crazy roads out in the middle of nowhere. And he said they were functional there. He said, but as more and more drivers would see that, he said it just kept moving into areas where you don't really use it much. He said, although, you know, he's had lights like that. And he said, they're really helpful on some of these narrow back roads, just trying to get around a corner where you have to go into the other lane just to make it around the corner. And he said, they'll use them then to, you know, flash them. And, uh, but he said, a lot of that is really just decorative in, in most parts of Europe. Okay. I believe that. Yeah. But there are some country roads even here and, uh, you know, it, it gets rural in a hurry. So I, I could see, and interestingly, where it's rural, this is, you know, when I've been told, some of this is just leftover. Uh, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not quite northern the way I am, but it's still some of the industrial stuff does kind of bleed down here. It's not that far up there. That whole, there's a corridor, like, you know, from Milan through south, I guess, eastern France, parts of Switzerland. It is loaded with industry, you know, that we build. A lot of, of the auto parts there. Marshall Plan stuff. Yeah, there's a whole corridor yep. of industry in the middle of freaking nowhere. You know, it, it's it's really, it's you know, you're driving along, along an interstate and some farms and really, you know, cool little things and vineyards and boom, you know, all of a sudden you get to an exit and there's just, there's industry. You know, there's, uh, you know, you see companies like Hilti and, and you see a lot of things that are, uh, you know, Bosch has, you know, Bosch stuff everywhere. Uh, but, uh, you, so you, you do see industry that's kind of out there a little bit, um, you know, sort of opposite of our methodology where, you know, we live in the country and suburbs and a lot of people work in the cities. It seems that the, the, the population seems to have stayed tight in the cities and in the, you know, the driving happens out to the, you know, shall we say suburbs. There are, there are no real suburbs. I, that's what you I know, was going to say. They don't really have get, suburbs. No, you get tiny little towns, you know, outside of the cities, and these tiny towns have was are where the industry is. So, and the people live in the cities where they can walk and do things, and there are trains that will take them out to where they work. So it's, it's sort of the opposite, you know, that the traffic is kind of opposite of ours. You know, it's everybody's heading out in the morning and and in in the evening rather than the opposite. So it's it's interesting in that regard. Another cultural difference. Yeah. You know, I, I've been, so, now that I've been seeing but, all these giant light bars up there, I'm thinking about putting some on my coach because I do have a use for them. <laughs> I, I would love to have those every time I meet somebody who has replaced their headlights with industrial laser beams. <laughs> also, uh, yeah, there you go. There you go. <laughs> uh, uh, I'm such an aero geek. I cringe when I see them. Oh, yeah. They've really nice aero stuff on the truck. And they, then they got like, Six big KC highlights or big Sibia, you know, round yeah. beams on the roof. I'm like, you just killed it with that. And, <laughs> you know? and, like, and they probably have yeah. a, an alternator off of an ambulance to power all those things. <laughs> bigger, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. So, yeah, that's interesting. But, uh, yeah, so I'm geeking out on that stuff. I mean, it's surrounded by beautiful Ferraris, and I can't stop looking at trucks. Of course. So, <laughs> yeah, it's in your blood. Well, you get to play is, with the Ferraris all day. Really I do, yeah. 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 So, I, I, I got to figure out a way to get a ride in one of those things next week somehow. I'm going to work on that. So, yeah. Somebody take me for a spin in one. That'd be cool. Uh, Pretty awesome. Yeah, Joel, yeah. I know we, we were talking a little early. We got uh, on, you want John to build us a... Uh, a calculator. Let's talk about that for a bit. Yeah, I'd like to get a attractive effort calculator so we can um, really demonstrate what we're talking about when we're talking about optimized gearing. Um, you know, some of our conversations that we have around this, it, it gets really tortured <laughs> and trying to <laughs> trying to think of ways to make the example, it, it becomes pretty difficult. And when we do attractive effort calculations on this, it's um, very easy to see what's going to happen. Is the truck going to pull better? And what gear is it going to pull better? And then you just apply the speed ranges to the gearing. And then you look at that tractive effort value. And, you know, you're going to run this fast in this gear versus where you were before. And you have this amount of tractive effort. So it's, it's very easy to see. Um, 
you know, and, and then I think people that are kind of, you know, second guessing all this bounce bed stuff, when they see that, it becomes very easy for most drivers to say, Oh, I get it. You know, it's, it's, it's pretty straightforward. So tractive effort calculator would be really, really nice to have. So we can, uh, we can get people's minds around the subject, I guess. Yeah. You know, it really would. We, we've been doing this for a long time with gearing and that kind of stuff, but for the most part, we didn't know those numbers. We didn't have the numbers. We we were just throwing things together, putting them out on the road, and say, "Hey, does that work better or not?" Or um, and not understanding a lot of you that know, other I, stuff. I had done that for years, yeah. and then I started hanging out with these guys that knew what the hell they were talking about. <laughs> right. They're throwing these tractive effort right. numbers at me, and yeah. I was like, "Holy shit, man, this is great!" You know. Yeah. So yeah, it. it you know, when I got my hands on that stuff, it was just like, oh, my gosh, things just got a ton easier. And, and uh, you know, we need to provide that out here to these guys that are looking to do this kind of stuff. So they have some confidence in what they're doing. The numbers don't lie on this. And uh, I think it's just really important that we get a attractive effort calculator out there. Yeah, I agree. I, uh, and this is, uh, you know, it's all physics, really. And, and the numbers don't lie. You're right. We could actually calculate this. The other thing that it would help with is... All of us, we we had been doing this long enough. There were only a couple of combinations that were different enough that you had to know a couple different setups. And all of a sudden, you know, we're now working all the way back to, you know, the, the explosion of people that wanted to go back and build big cams all the way up to the latest cutting edge, you know, every time a, a manufacturer brings out a new engine or a new transmission, trying to keep track of all this now and, and how you should spec each setup and each operation. I can't keep track of it anymore in my head the way I used to be able to. And, and John, I got to say, um, after see, I, I've played around with spreadsheets forever. I love what they can do. I'm just not very good at at making them you know really look nice and very functional the the spreadsheet you sent me was stunning so if you could make one like that it was <laughs> okay yeah you've, you've got a real talent oh for, my 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 gear spreadsheet yeah. yeah that was that was a good one yeah, yeah. so, yeah. so and, when, and that when was a you, complicated spreadsheet when you right I, I can base it off of that if i know all the ratios i can do attractive effort off of that easily that'd be awesome maybe yeah. I've got better when stuff, you I, oh, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say when you Google tractive effort, what you find is that back in the days of the steam engines, the railroads went through basically what we're talking about right here, only in more detail because they're pulling a lot more weight and they had to know how much weight per square inch and the adhesion coefficient and they got into some very, very serious math around tractive effort for steam engines so they could understand if they were going to pull the load they were hooking up to. And it's basically the same thing that we're talking about a little bit simpler. I mean, we don't have to get into the detail that they got into, but it would just really help guys, I think, understand, okay, you know, so I'm a gear deeper into the box, but I have distractive effort versus what I had in, you know, say overdrive versus direct. We talk about that all the time. Well, you can actually see that tractive effort difference and and what it's what it's doing for you. And then at that point, you just need to know the speed range that that gearing's good for. And uh, it becomes pretty simple once you do that tractive effort calculation. We don't have to struggle to explain what's going on at that point. Yeah, and you know when we're answering questions on the air, it, and you know we get a new one that we're not used to thinking about, it's certainly nice to just plug it in and go. Well, yeah, it looks like we should be right here. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know where the engine makes torque at. You know that that RPM range, and so it's you know it's torque, and it's your overall gearing, and it's the tire diameter, and we do some math there, and it spits out a a number that. Uh, you know, you use to compare to whatever other setup you're thinking about running and it'll give you tractive effort and you can run it for every gear if you want. Um, and understand, you know, how that truck's going to perform coming up through the gears. And then once you get into the, the top highway speeds as well. Yeah. Well, there you go. Uh, John, something for you to, uh, to whip up in a weekend. I, I, I will, I will get on that. <laughs> well, it's it, what's funny. You brought it up. Uh, so, so we had a problem with one of our cars last week. Uh, it, was, it, it seemed to be down on power, but all the engine data looked good. 
the exhaust temps were right on the, uh, the uh, corrections were right. I, so, so when I look at this stuff, I've got a gazillion channels that, that we log. Maybe not a gazillion, but, but quite a few. So I can look at turbo speeds. The car has two turbos on it. These uh, these Ferraris have about make uh, just under 800 horsepower. Uh, car weighs 4,000-ish pounds. It's uh, you know twin turbo, uh, 4.8 liter V8. It's, it's it's a pretty badass engine. Uh, but and we monitor tons of things. So I can look at injector pulse width. I can look at the O2 sensors. You know the mixture coming out of each side, the turbo speeds. Uh, and so forth. Well, I found in my software for the engine, I've got a what's called an applied torque uh, channel. It's an algorithm that basically is tracked of effort. Same thing, right? So it's applied torque. You have requested torque, which is another channel. It's, it's basically you know throttle position and so forth. And, and you request how much, how much torque the engine produces because we all know horsepower is just a made-up number anyway. So torque is everything. So. Uh, we're looking at this car and you know three of our cars you could you could lay the speed graphs on top of each other and they're they're within it's all in kilometers so, so they're they're within one and a half kilometers per hour at 270 kilometers per hour so it's that they're really close and one car was off by like six which you know really still isn't that far but it was off so we look at the the applied torque and it was higher not lower so at that point, I'm like, I told the guys, my problem's not with the engine, and something else. Well, what do you mean? Well, you know, we don't have any any corrections. You know, the lambda's on, the turbo speeds are the same, the boost is the same, the you know, everything, everything's everything's everything looks right there. Uh, so we've got some drag that's somewhere, <laughs> and that's all the same. Yeah, yeah, that's dead with that static tire. We all have the same thing. So. Uh, you know, I said, we've got to find something else on the car. Either we're brake dragging or we've got uh, some aero drag somewhere. There's something wrong. Well, a big under tray thing on the front of the car was installed with bolts that were too long. And it was flat. <laughs> oh, my God. Wow. That's crazy. That's pretty awesome. You yeah, can <laughs> get that kind of resolution to pick something up like that. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, it took a lot of looking. You know what I mean? I mean, but, but, I mean but again, it's... But you it had, steered us in the direction to exactly. not like change the engine in the car. You know, we, we were able to do that. Yeah, you so, uh, figured out where you know, to I don't know what it. I could. Right, right. But I'm pretty sure we ought to be able to pull that off the ECU. I mean, we should do a calculator as well. I could you know, just be able to, you know, just gear, you know, in fact, to get the thing moving, right? Which is what you're talking about. You know, do a little, yeah, little I, more. I, uh, Wear and tear on the, I on, think the, it, on the drive line and so forth. But yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think what you're talking about, I think that's actually available on um, in PTT. I think you can actually look at that value that you're talking about on the trucks. Um, right. Torque, well, that's torque a tool bus and applied torque and all that. You yeah. could, yep. you know, you yep. ought to be able to see a difference whenever you do your work on your wheel bearings and you, your other You know what? You do. I will you be able to see ask the questions this to see if I can get that done because that, that does make a whole lot of sense. So I'll, I'll, I'll let you know what I find out. That'd be pretty cool. cool stuff, That'd be pretty yeah. cool to cool to watch that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it would. Hey, John, I don't know if I ever talked to you about this book. I, I don't think you would get a lot out of it because you do so much of this anyway, but I, I, I found it a pretty interesting book and it's a, a simple read. Um, the title of the book is how to find a, or how to spot a wolf in Siberia. Okay. Have I talked to you about that? No, you haven't. The, the subtitles or how to troubleshoot anything. And it, it's nothing specific oh, okay. about troubleshooting. It's just big picture, like mindset techniques. And the, the analogy they use is, you know, how do you find a wolf in Siberia? And you walk into the middle of Siberia and you listen for the howls. And then you draw a line down the middle of where the howls are and where they aren't. And, and then you keep looking, you know, that that's the, but he goes into more detail and technique. It's a really interesting book. It's just a really short read. Like I said, you're not going to get a lot out of it because you do a lot of this, but I, um, I've recommended it for a lot of other people who just don't even know where to start. Oh yeah. I, it's my life. I'm always troubleshooting. Yeah. It's what I do. Yeah. yeah it's, 
you could have written the book. I mean, it's just, uh, but it, it, you know, sometimes you might read that and go, wow, you know, I didn't even realize that's what I was doing. You know, you're, you're so, you do it so much. You know, there's another concept I've, I've read that I try to be careful of is that the more you get to know something about a topic, the harder it becomes to explain it to other people. That's oh, I, true. I, I work yeah, on that, that, that constantly. Right. I, I really right. do. I mean, because I'm always asked, right? So I, I have to. I, I had one of the young mechanics on the team last night. We had a nice team dinner last night and ended up back here at the hotel bar afterwards and, and, and had a, a little nightcap. And the uh, guy asked me what I liked about what I do. I'm like, I had to really think about it. Like, or what my favorite <laughs> part of it is. <laughs> Like, I don't know. I just do it. Well, you know, that's the thing. The more information you've gathered over years and years of doing something and the more troubleshooting you've done at, at some point, your brain gets to the point where within milliseconds, it's gone through 16 options and you've, you've, you know, you can ignore those and you don't even realize it happened. Right. One of, one of the things that you bump into is that you've learned so many things over the years and you take all this stuff for granted that everybody else right. knows what you know and you start talking about stuff and you're going right over their head. You don't, you don't mean to, but it just happens and they're looking at you like you're smoking crack. <laughs> just, it gets nuts sometimes. But uh, yeah. um, it's, uh, I, I 100% believe that because it's, it's just very difficult, especially when you're, you're passionate about something and you really love what you do and somebody asks you something about it and you know, you want to tell them everything that you know, but you can't possibly because it's 30 or 40 years of experience that you're trying to convey upon them. And it's uh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think and you, you've already, like I said, both of you might, so many things might pick up a couple little tricks from the book that just help you avoid that kind of a trap. Like I said, you, you two could write the book, but I think you may pick up some things that we just don't think about. Yeah. Yeah. If it's a short read, that's yeah, absolutely. Check yeah. it out. All right. So, uh, we are down to about 15 minutes left. Um, we could be all over the How board. Do that? Yeah, I know. <laughs> Is there anything <laughs> specific we want to talk about? We've, uh, you know, we're, we're hitting on some big topics that I love. And I, you know, I think people get a lot out of this. I love the idea of building some more custom tools for ourselves and other people like the tractive effort and, you know, things like that. I think there's a lot of value in that. I'm going to have a whole lot of stuff coming here centered around the whole six by two and weight biasing and why that stuff's important. Um, you know, I got these big fat tires on the front of my truck and, um, it's interesting that with the way the rim is inset on these tires, the front axle capacity is 14, six with the standard rims and, and low pro 22 fives with the, 365 70s on here on this inset rim. Um, technically, this front axle could go to 15.2 because we're carrying more weight on the bigger bearing on the inside of the hub. And that doesn't sound like a big deal to most people, especially on a 6x4, but when you have an active suspension that can bias weight, getting out to 15.2 becomes a big, big, big deal as far as keeping the gap closed up you know, our, our traction, how the truck rides, the tire life. It's, uh, it's going to be pretty interesting as I get moving along with this little project. And, you know, I've really got to thank Michelin for providing some tires. They're pretty expensive because, you know, people don't run this size. It's not real popular. So they're fairly pricey. And Alcoa came through with some rims and, and, uh, learning a lot already on it. I got off road today with the truck. Oh, and I was in, in a job site down here in Fort Myer and it's kind of sandy and loose place where you really don't want to take a six by two. But the first thing I noticed with that big fat tire up front is when 
I dropped off the pavement, the front didn't want to dive and cause the the drive axle to want to start to spin. You know, it, it, typically when you get into this loose stuff with the standard 22.5, they kind of dig a rut and, and then the drive axle wants to spin a little bit to get it pushing through there. And with those big fat tires, that wasn't near as prevalent. So it made it much easier to get around off-road with those uh, bigger front tires on it. So it's just kind of cool, the stuff that I'm picking up here here and there. Yeah, it, it really made a bigger, much bigger difference than what I thought it would make. So um, pretty cool stuff. We got that low, low rolling resistance on them. They, they ride and handle like a dream on-road, and they seem to make a difference off-road. So, um, you know, if I could get a waiver on the axle capacity so i could start playing with the weight biasing to kick it up a notch we have a pretty damn cool six by two going on that would really have some capabilities i think far in excess of you know where we're at today with the standard 22 fives on the front yeah you know that's interesting when when we you know really tried to build that first six by two back in like 08 um and, and we had it at the truck show there. That was the thing that everybody pointed to and said, oh, what a horrible idea. That's never going to work. The, that and the 264 gears, they, they just lost their mind over both of those. Um, <laughs> but you and I have been trying to explain this to people for a long time, and, and you get tired of it over <laughs> and over. But I just thought about something. Never once have we ever talked about the front axle in this configuration. Right. And it, it's, that really is a, just a key component of really making this all work and work well. Six by twos, homemade, weight biasing, whatever, they'll all go up and down the road. But so far here in the States, we really haven't put one together that just, you know, works to the point where you just cannot deny, you know, that this is the way to go. And I, I think with these 365s up front, on this it's it's a damn impressive truck to drive and uh i'm hoping kevin at some point i can get you behind the wheel and maybe get you behind the wheel john and let you guys take her for a spin and see what you think if it's just just me being proud of the truck or if it's actually as good as what oh, i think I, it is i i i, I, I need that i need that feedback I, you know I, what i mean <laughs> i, I want to drive it before i give you that opinion but i'm pretty convinced that it's a very impressive truck i mean things that we've never so, been able to put together all at one time which you know what was the idea of the that first you know signature truck I, I had, you know, I had done this on this mm -hmm. truck and that on that truck, and I'd worked with this engine or that tire or, but, you know, I, at some point I stopped and said, what if I could do all of those things on one truck? And, and back then that was all of the things that I knew at the time or all the things we could afford to do to the truck at the time, um, which really made a difference because you found out that some things didn't play well together. You know, they may both work but not always play well together. So, you know, you've taken mm -hmm. that to the next level with this truck, with, you know, everything that's changed in the last decade plus. Um, so I, I, when I look at that truck, it's impressive. It, it, uh, it, it sure is a joy to drive. And um, I brought a load of garage doors down from Ohio down here to Florida. And uh, I ended up like 10 hours getting loaded. So I thought, oh man, I'm behind, you know, for my, my delivery window. And so I, I jumped on it the, the first 700 miles coming down. And at one point I got held up in Atlanta traffic. So when I got south of Atlanta, I mean, I really, I was really moving and I was running the truck hard and it never went under nine, three. <laughs> like, wow. I mean, I'm running the hell out of this thing oh, and I'm man. thinking, Oh, it's going to kill me. And it never yeah. dropped under 9.3. And, uh, it was, it was pretty damn impressive. You know, it was hey. 75 mile an hour for, uh, for a good long way. And, uh, you know, it just held right there. Nine, three, five is the lowest it ever got. Wow. And I ended wow. up on that, that 700 mile stretch at 9.7 with Atlanta traffic and, and running that, that higher speed. So, um, it's just a damn fun truck to drive and it, it rides and it handles and, and these big front tires really have made a difference. And, you know, I've been hard on Michelin for a few years now, um, especially on the wide base. And when they sent me these, 
what used to be XDN twos. I said, Oh guys, come on. They go, no, no, no. You know, we want you to, to try this because we, we've made some changes and they're night and day difference. They look exactly the same. They're called X line grip. I think now, Okay. but they're quiet now. They, they don't hum. Um, the, you can tell the rolling resistance just in the seat of the pants are claiming 8%, but it, it feels a lot lower than 8%. And it's an open shoulder tire. And um, even at high speed, it doesn't hum. It's the, the traction. I got off road with it. it. You know, it's it's very good. The front tires are just stellar. They're XZAs, I believe. Yep. And um, they're just absolutely stellar. And uh, so, I, you know, I'm glad that I decided to pull the trigger on the wide base thing again. Um, yeah, I've been definitely opposed to them for quite a while in a six by two arrangement and probably will still be cautious right. with your normal six right. by two. Yep. But with what I got going on here, um, works very, very well. I think you'd be very impressed with it. Yeah. You know, I, I, there was a time well back when we were doing the signature truck and for a while after that, that, that we had several partnerships. Michelin was an awesome partner for us. I got, they, you know, they gave me free access to everything down there. Their test tracks, their winter test track, the, mm-hmm. you know, the engineers, any classes they had, they were just an awesome partner. What, but finally, the reason I, I really got away from that is is when we started expanding into other areas and, and the time it takes to maintain the relationships at those corporations is what finally got me. Yes. Because yes. You, you work hard yep. to build a relationship with a person. You can't build a relationship with Michelin. That, that's impossible. You got to you find the people and right. you build the relationships, and like most corporations, they're not going to be in that position forever, and they leave. Uh, that's you know that I, oh, I, I deal with that all the time. And if you're not on the phone with them people all the time, so they, you know the yep. people that are coming up behind them, and they, they make the introduction and stuff. It's a full time job. It is maintaining those those relationships. It, it absolutely is. And you know, I know I, I post some stuff out there, and everybody's like, "Oh, you get all this stuff for free, and it must be nice." I'm it, thinking, man, you work it, your ass off yeah. to get this stuff. In fact, it's probably <laughs> easier just to go out. And buy it well, <laughs> you know here. Here was the a huge deal for us that Michelin did for years at the CMC. We would always have a raffle. You know, people love raffles and, and all of our, you know, partner companies would kick in and there was some great stuff. But the granddaddy of all every year, mm-hmm. a full set of Michelin tires with wide singles, if you wanted them, and rims. That was our nice. granddaddy prize every year. Yeah. Michelin did that for us every year and... You know, they, they put uh, tires on my trucks when I wanted to test new tires, and they put tires on my coach every year when I, when I wanted new tires. And they were an awesome partner. But you're right, that, that wasn't just handed to me. Nice. I busted my ass to build that relationship. <laughs> yeah, you do. And to maintain it was even you worse. You absolutely do. Yep. Yeah, when I, when yep. I, when yep. I first and, got and it. And, you know, of course. They were so good. And I'm like, oh, this is mm-hmm. awesome. And six months later, it's like, hey, wait a minute. Where'd all the people go that I used to know? You know, you, you <laughs> have got to stay on top of that. Right, right. Yeah, you, you, you really do. Otherwise, you lose that connection and, and uh, you know, everything that you'd worked years establishing, it's just gone overnight, literally. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I had a very similar situation. You know, we talked about the, the guy that uh, was running Volvo and then he went to work uh, over in Europe and now he's back over with, with Navistar or international. And, you know, we see this kind of clone drivetrain. Um, same thing happened there. I, several years ago, we were going to do a, a truck similar to this and boom, all of a sudden my guy was gone <laughs> He's working yeah. for somebody else. I'm like, Oh, oh man, well, <laughs> you know, and it, it took four or five years to put that project back together again. Or, or so, the other thing that, yeah, would yeah it's, uh, you know, we, we would try mm-hmm. to seek out when you can, you know, when you're talking about things like trucks, engines, tires, those are all big companies. That's all there is. That's who you have to deal with. So anytime mm-hmm. we could, we loved when we would partner with small companies, uh, flow below my God, I, I met the guy was mm-hmm. barely out of college and, you know, had just started working on the concept and it, it was awesome to work mm-hmm. with small companies like that. But every now and then, small companies become mid-sized companies, and then they get bought by a big 
company. And then yep, every, yep, everything yep. disappears <laughs> then too. Yeah. So yep, it, 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 it's a lot of work to do what you're doing right now. It, it really is. And, and John, it, you it, probably have it, similar it, stories in racing that, that are just like that. Oh, tons. Yeah. You know, and so it's such a smaller industry though. Someone will move from one to another and if they're in the, with the same product, they're they're going to come looking for you to see if you'll you'll go with what they have now. Right. Uh, once you've built that relationship, and people move around quite a bit, and you end up with relationships everywhere. Uh, you know, you're talking about Michelin, though. That is a company that I really really like. Uh, they uh, build by far the best tires uh, that I've ever worked with in racing. Uh, the, the IMSA series. It's a it's an exclusive tire there. Their level of service, their technology, the info that they give us—it's—it's uh, it's, it's over and above. And and the way the product works, the the tires are amazing. Like they, I, I'd be hard pressed to go anywhere else for anything. I mean, they just the build quality. Uh, we never have failures. And the other tire that I work with here in the Ferrari world is a Pirelli, which isn't bad. It's not as good is the Michelin uh, level of service is fantastic there as well, but the, uh, the tires themselves, but uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm glad to see you back on Michelin there, Joel. Yeah. Well, they, it, uh, it, it, it's a, it's a seriously good company. It really is. And, and, you know, we talk about tires and that's, that's really the, you know, why I had that partnership with them. And when, when you look at the company itself, another thing near and dear to my heart is food. And, you know, I don't think a lot of people realize the the highest honor in the world for a restaurant or a chef is getting a Michelin star. Oh yeah. It, who would think that, you know, we know Michelin for tires, but they, they are <laughs> like as a, as a chef, if you get a Michelin star, that is a huge thing. Well, that started with the, you know, way back in way back when in the early days of motoring period, the Michelin right. guides, they would have the Michelin, you know, it was, yeah. it was like the Atlas, right? Right. And it told you where the star so stops. So then they, they grew that into rating the places where you would stop. And yeah, it just uh, went from there. But yeah. uh, just a really cool, really cool company. And yeah, I like I like that. So the tires, again, you know, more things over here, Joel. I mean, the, the path you're going down with that bigger front tire, aside from, you know, the ability to load it harder. And you guys even called to my attention with some of the photos about where the, where the pin is. Um, and, and the amount of weight that they're putting on the front axles here has got to be incredible. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it seems to work quite well. I don't, I don't know what you'd be able to do at home with our, with our regs to be able to go more that direction. Um, and any of the yeah. tandem trucks I see over here, I mean, pretty much everything is single axle. Yeah. Um, yeah, sure. And if there is a tandem, it's a lift axle. Exactly. It, 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 it's, that's it. It's never, never both drive. None. Yeah, I we and, and they uh, have winter here too. You know, I mean, it snows here. Yeah, you know, well, John, I, when you get a chance, pay pay attention to the suspension on the drive axle over there, and I think you're going to see probably ninety percent of the suspensions are non torque reactive. They're a little heavier, they're a little more expensive, but you know that maintains that contact patch of the tire. Where you know back over here, whatever's cheap. You know, we throw on it, and so we have this abortion of a Z-spring and an airbag that winds up, and the frame moves six, eight inches, and it just creates all kinds of problems. And, yeah. you know, it's, so, it's the race to the bottom over here. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, it'd be cool to see some of the, the so totally not that they've got going on over there. I looked closely at one of the Ivecos, and it was a, uh interesting four-bag deal uh, with mm-hmm. a uh, basically the equivalent of a, of a sway bar on the back. Mm-hmm. So it was like mm-hmm. leading arms that located yep. it and it swung off of those and there was zero torque reactivity. There was, it wasn't right, like a standard right. four link or five link like we have. There was none of that. It's uh, It almost floats. It was really interesting. I'll get some pictures yeah. on. Yeah. Because hey. you know, Ferrari obviously uses the, the latest, greatest Ivecos to pull their stuff around. So I've got a lot of really cool stuff sure. in the paddock I could get pictures of. Yeah, that'd be cool to see. Good. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Good. Hey, guys, I, we're at the hour. I do have to, have to cut this off. I've got somebody waiting for me. Um, I, there was a couple <laughs> points I wanted to make. i got to go back to my notes. Uh, we'll continue this, obviously. Um in fact, we have a show tomorrow. It's going to sound funny when we record because this show is going to play next week. Uh, but we'll we'll Let's pick backwards. Up. Yeah, <laughs> I know. We'll, we'll pick up on this. Uh, we'll pick up on this conversation tomorrow. I'm excited that you guys can both make it again. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, 
what was the point I wanted to make? I just, we are talking about this. Nope, nothing's coming to me. Uh, so the only other thing, Joel, don't bother looking for the restaurant. The name of it was called Chalet Suzanne, and they closed in 2014. All righty. <laughs> yeah. Like I said, when, when I was there, I left Florida in 2007, and it uh, uh, that place was on its last leg then. I'm surprised it made it to 2014, but it was such a such a unique place that you know astronauts were landing there and yeah, they took gotcha. their suit to the moon. And it's a shame they didn't survive. <laughs> uh, that's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah, pretty cool. All right, so. Uh-huh. Uh, Great stuff as always, guys. Uh, We will do it again real soon. Thanks. And uh, we're going to wrap this up. Be safe. Be profitable. Be fit and healthy. Always do the hard work and master the journey.